Look at this matchy matchy today. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm I know you're trying Damn, to kick you blew this the off. opener. I know you're trying to kick this off. I have like all these node processes running that are just destroying my system. So I I need to go kill a bunch of stuff. Node wants everything. It wants all of you. It doesn't like to share you with other processes. Haven't you learned that yet? Node is supposed to be fast, but when you start having it do everything, it uh it just eats your computer. Node has async IO. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the, <laughs> Did you see that tweet about the Mighty Browser? No, that's sure? the one that runs in the VM. Yeah. yeah. And um the guy said uh he just uh onboarded and was able to use Figma and Chrome super fast and his computer was getting slow and um he was saying exactly what you were saying earlier which is when the heck are the new m1s going to come out because my computer's dying and um he's like this is going to let me hold out to the new m1s because he's like i can use everything now so he uses figma in the browser through yeah. like a remote desktop yeah and he says it's super fast wow isn't that cool yeah super cool might be worth giving it a shot you know I mean, if it's really like not a lot of friction and it feels, you know, I'm sure it doesn't feel like using parallels or whatever, you know, because that's my, that's where my brain goes to. Yes, same. Um, and like, I would never want to develop like that, obviously, but um, parallels like could, Docker desktop, it's just all yeah, just it is not terrible fast in your dev environment. All right. So maybe we're just poking around if it's easy and quick and, and not too expensive, you know, try it out. Yeah. Can I run VS Code? Uh, that's the thing. It's like my setup. Like, I need, well, I think like, you can run VS Code locally, but then yeah. Chrome in in Mighty might just free up your computer a lot. Maybe you know, who knows? It might be Node and Node, and then you're just back to Node anyways. You know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> did you the the we were looking at that Code Spaces thing too? If you're listening to this and you haven't gone to GitHub yet and hit period on a repository it's pretty cool it opens up in like the browser in vs code um probably of interest to most people listening to this so you should check that out it's pretty awesome um there's people on hacker news talking about code spaces and they're like "Ah, why would i do that i've spent years like tweaking my dev environment to suit me uh and then like we're on this project where it's like you have to get the right node version you have to have all these things running you have to you know what i mean so that would be pretty awesome to also, to too, if you just you you spend years getting your dev environment working like that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say no more. Like right, right. That's exactly, exactly. why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, look at us matching today. Bright colors. It's a Friday. Sun's out. Let's see. It's ninety three degrees in New York City. It was ninety three yesterday, and they said it felt like a uh, hundred and three degrees. Um, I wasn't outside much. But it was definitely hot. Uh, makes it fun when you're looking at apartments, walking up four flights of stairs and waiting in line with 20 other people, though. That was fun. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, excited for the weekend. You know, feeling good. Going to Louis C.K. tonight. That should be fun. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we wanted to record this pod end of the week here. And uh, I think we just want to talk about, like, some architecture, just, like, general React architecture stuff, yeah? Yeah, I think you had a, a bunch of like really good items. Yeah, cool. So uh, the first one here is uh, import order. So if you've been listening to the last few episodes, I think we might have talked about this a little bit, but um, we were experimenting. I was I've been experimenting with moving some uh, initial kind of bootstrap bootstrappy logic stuff to module scope in my fitness side project so pulling like calls to firebase uh and initial like session requests outside of react and um that's because it makes it easier to do that stuff not having to worry about re-renders putting it in an effect uh it's not really concerned with pixels on the screen 
and uh, it gets to start right away as soon as the JavaScript is parsed and executed instead of waiting for React to actually render that particular component, even if it's your kind of root component. So for all those reasons, like the more we do this and talk about it, the more it's like, oh, those are like little, you know, indicators of like, oh, maybe this shouldn't be in, in React. Mm-hmm. And um, lets you coordinate with suspense and all that good stuff. So I ran into this interesting problem where I have my uh, use auth hook and it relies on some of this other code that needs to run this auth initialization logic, let's say Firebase. Um, And uh, so you have that code there. And then let's say in your like bootstrap um, file, you need to actually like that stuff needs to actually run the auth code to start things up. So I ran into the situation where, let's say I had a component that was like, you know, um, header with avatar, something like that. And the avatar needs to like use auth to get the current user to get like the user's name and profile picture. So that's like a component that is going to statically import the use auth hook. And so that all is going to happen whenever that code, that component is imported by which you really don't shouldn't have to think about when you're developing like the import the module graph is just resolved kind of that's how the es6 module spec works it figures out this whole cycle of graph like the whole graph of modules loads them up but then you have this problem where uh you sometimes want to let's say use firebase or sometimes you want to use like a test provider whether you're developing locally or you're developing uh in cypress in a test so i ran into this race condition or this order dependent condition where i needed to first check if i'm in uh, cypress to let's say like boot up mirage Um, but then it meant that my use store my use auth hook wasn't ready until i got to that code so use auth wasn't ready until i got to um this init logic which was like maybe boot mirage and the problem is like the the other code the the other components that were importing this hook expected to be able to call fetch session right in module scope but fetch session wasn't ready because i needed to wait to run until i could set that up Mm -hmm. so it fixed it fixed it if i like made sure the maybe start mirage was before any other components were imported like the header component was imported but that's obviously like not a good solution at all yeah especially if like yeah someone just auto completes an importing component it somehow gets added to the top of the file and yeah and that component imports another component that imports something that uses off i mean you could just spend all day uh trying to figure out why this order also too like we don't think of like I mean, I, I, I have a few thoughts here, but like, yeah, we don't really think of like imports as changing our program. We think of imports as like statically an analyzable, like dependency graph. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, once you start doing things in module scope, it's actually, it's bingo. more likely that you will expose those things. And it's almost like, I feel like uh, doing everything in React buys you some laziness here because you let it all sort itself out. And then, you know, once render time is happening, all of that stuff's been taken care of already. And uh, then you have a very predictable order in which all this code's going to run because yeah. it's running uh, with the tree. So I have like, this is like, good go down a few paths here. I've been, I've been thinking mm-hmm. about this a lot this week. So mm-hmm. um, I guess my first thing is like, maybe we shouldn't have side effects in module scope. Like maybe they shouldn't be in module scope. Like that doesn't mean they have to exist in React. You're just importing functions and you're invoking those functions so you can control when things run and therefore import order just won't mess up uh won't cause code to run that you weren't expecting to run um and so that made me think like okay so like it kind of what you just said like you know deferring all this stuff till till render um makes it a lot easier because you know the Mm -hmm. world has been set up for you and you can do all Mm -hmm. this stuff in render but we kind of like we've been through it's really hard to do all this stuff in render because now you have to deal with re-renders and effects i think there might be a middle ground here so i think like we definitely know that like setting up firebase uh in an effect 
and then having it be like um handle robust re-renders yeah yeah and then robust to re-renders and then also like updating refs when the user changes you just you just like that's you can make it work but you just you get in so much trouble and there's something really elegant about uh zussan stores you've been using Mm -hmm. um so maybe there's the middle ground is like you still use an effect to like initialize everything um but you don't like your effect just calls like you know environment dot initialize so it's like right test setup dot initialize or development setup dot initialize or production setup dot initialize what whatever so it's like you still have a function so it's not a module scope mm-hmm. uh, you you use it in in effect it's like a side effect of rendering um mm-hmm. and uh in that way like you know the world can be you have more control up. over the order in which all these different functions are running yeah and then so this is like you can help me flush out this thought but this is like kind of what i'm what i'm thinking about here so like in react we don't we always have a render right there's no like life cycle we always have a render and so there's no real like okay bear with me in ui development in this like react world we don't have like a before our app renders place to run code um mm-hmm. now we can always like if you're using create react app you can always like run code before you call like what is it now like react, react dom dot render or whatever dot render, yeah whatever it is and but when with next we don't really have a hook to do mm-hmm. that and i don't know if a hook to do that makes sense like mm-hmm. we always have a render it might be an empty screen while we're setting stuff up but we always have a render mm-hmm. and so that made me kind of think like okay maybe like you kick off this stuff in your apps render uh your apps effect but like you don't have to manage firebase in effect that can all go to zustand and we've seen the benefits right. of that so right. i don't know did like that i know that was a lot and i kind of went yeah no no, no. It, it's it, tracking i'm tracking this kind of where i went down the in the first part is like you go down this path where like okay if you don't uh i de- like kind of snap your fingers it's really nice if you're writing an auth provider um that can like import your use auth or your auth store and call like fetch session and throw a promise until that resolves. And, um, you just don't have to worry about it again. It's like you're following docs. You don't have this impedance mismatch between some method in Firebase that you're calling or even setting up a listener. And then like thinking how that should handle re-renders if it has nothing to do with rendering or nothing to do with any of the props or state of that component. Um, so, you want to be able to do that, but then you get run into this problem. So then you do what you're, you're suggesting, which is maybe you have like a separate function there that like you export from the component. That's like an initialized function. And then like in underscore app, you could, so, so, so that way there's no side effects in import. Like there's nothing happening immediately. And so you have more control. So now you're importing all these initialized functions. You can control the order and then you can kick that like master initialized function off predictably let's say once in the root in an effect on first render um it's kind of recreating like the initialized stuff from ember and rails also has this where you have this kind of plug-in system and you can register things and you can say this add-ons init should run before this other add-on because there's a dependency there and you can defer the app defer readiness on the app until this thing happens or until i receive a call from an auth server or well, whatever yeah the thing is though like with react and with next like you can't we can't defer readiness we can't like, yeah so but this is effectively a proxy for that because you're just able to render something while all this is happening zero pixels basically exactly whatever you want to do or yeah. a loading spinner or whatever yeah. you know but it's still um, it's like it's kind of like how do i meet in both worlds right exactly like, so where, where my thinking is now is like that's you're kind of again recreating this whole like uh system um it's like a lot of it's like some ceremony it's not standard and um it it just kind of ends up because it's not really built into the framework or it's not conventional there's no way to know that you have to do this that you're not supposed to even even set up a store in zustan because even in the zustan docs you're just importing create 
from Zustan and you're creating a store right there and then you yep. can just use it everywhere. So I basically concluded like this is not a good path because even though it's um, nice when you're writing, it makes it, it's, it makes it much easier if you can just say, oh, don't do this thing until this other thing's ready. What you really want to do is make your code robust to like module side effects. That's kind mm -hmm. of what I'm, I think is, is the way to go. Um, so like, for example, Zustand, uh, lets you create these shared stores. And if you create a auth store and have a current user property on it, you know, and this component over here imports it first and does something. And this one up over here imports it. It doesn't matter. Zustand is coded in such a way that, you know, it, there's nothing bad that happens if someone imports it first and does something, you know, um, cause it just works that way. Uh, you know, same with like, you know, the, um, use SWR's cache. That's just something that it is a side effect. I mean, you import it and it creates an object. It's not mm -hmm. scoped to a function. It creates a cache object in module scope that's ready to go when anyone needs it. So it doesn't have to wait. You can see the cache outside of React. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to wait for it to render. You don't even care if anyone uses the hook or if they do, they can change the cache or whatever. So, um, I think basically that you want to code it. It took some work, but you want to code it in a way that um, that makes it robust to this. So it's, it's just, I just kind of feel like it's meeting like Next and like JavaScript and like React developers where they're at, which is like they really like everyone. We all really are just using these like APIs that are very minimal. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to import a class, create a class, register a plugin, and call initialize. It's just not going to fly. It's just right. it doesn't feel aligned with the rest of the APIs in the ecosystem, right? You want to just like import store from auth and like call like store.fetch session. And like whatever is happening there, you just want it to work, you know? So how um, how are you dealing with the if I like move the import to the top? So what happened, really the fix actually was pretty straightforward in my case. Um, but it did take a while just to understand the moving pieces. And really it was just that when I was in test mode, I wanted, I've been setting up, you know, I have Mirage and my test uh, auth service that's covering Firebase set up so I can dev against it and write tests against it. It's going awesome. Uh, but the problem was originally was like, so this auth provider does import my use auth, my, my auth store and calls fetch session in module scope, throws a promise for the beginning while all the initial bootstrapping logic is going so that the app can just render a single spinner until it's ready and fades in. And um, the problem was uh, it calls like auth.fetch session or whatever. And uh, my test one resolved instantly. So my test provider has a stubbed out fetch session method and it was just returning a new promise that called resolve immediately inside the body of the promise with like my fake current user and that caused the logic to go on in the auth provider component before the mirage maybe boot mirage stuff had run and so that was actually a logical bug in terms of my my mock my like my stubbed auth provider thing it wasn't faithfully uh, recreating firebases because the promise would always resolve on like the next tick. So because the promise resolved synchronously, the code and auth provider continued on, but um, this maybe boot Mirage code, which was also running in module scope, like, you know, you import maybe boot Mirage and underscore app, but you're outside of uh, the re rent, the react component. When you say, if, you know, process.env dot should use mocks or whatever boot Mirage that's all happening in module scope too, but there was a race there. Like that needed to run before the next step of the auth provider code. And it always did when I used the real fetch session, but it didn't with my fake one. So all I did was like do a set timeout uh, with no uh, even argument there. And then that made uh fetch session truly asynchronous and it became totally fine. Gotcha. So, so the, the two solutions here are like, one is like change module order. The other is like, just make sure that you always, you're always going to have your auth stuff on the next tick so that like all your imports are done importing because. Yeah. I think the generalized here is like, first, like you need to make sure you're matching 
the signature and the type of everything that you're mocking or whatever because yeah if fetch session is never going to resolve synchronously then in, in production code it shouldn't in your test code right um does and, fetch, um, I, I have a question here like what what would happen if like someone just like being really hand wavy here someone made like a, a synchronous fetch session like whatever like you're just like there's like or like if Firebase was able to detect you have a valid token in the browser, and so it just resolves it synchronously. Yeah, but then sure. there would be a that would be a bug that would have been a bug in my code already. So I would have had to fix that anyways. Gotcha. You're saying this it wasn't in development, so you never noticed, but in test it was, and so that's why you're yeah. up against this. Exactly. Um, is there a way like do you does, do people just like call fetch session or do you like control the calling of fetch session? Like, can you, they import like store from auth lib auth and then they call it like, or whatever store. And then they call store dot fetch session. And, um, yeah. And the callback of that, like in the dot then of that, they're going to be expecting to fetch the current user from Hasura, which is mocked out with Mirage. So at that point, Mirage needs to be running. Right. So that was the race condition right there. Um, but like, yeah, more generally, like if you offer, yeah, if you offer a hook that, or, or, or this in this case, it's not even a hook, it's just a store that has a fetch session method on it, anyone should be able to import it and call it, and it should work. Even if multiple people call it, you should it should work. Um, and it, it, in this case, again, the actual fix was very straightforward, and it was a it was a fix because it was a bad mock of it. Um, but it was a good, it was an interesting point, and I think I've run into this before where it's just, and it just it just made us think about this like initialization stuff and how like yeah you really want to do the work i think it's easier to run into this stuff especially when you start pulling things out of render because of this problem where you don't get to rely you don't get to wait until react starts rendering uh dude when which, everything yeah when everything is wrapped inside of a render function yeah it's the same thing as wrapping inside of like initialize exactly because yeah exactly um Interesting. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I landed on it because I was going. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, Rails and Ember, all these frameworks have this really nice thought out plugin system. Like we really should have that. Like plugins can register or like add-ons can register things themselves uh, when you bring them in. But like you really kind of do need a predictable order. But like it's really this other perspective where it's like kind of small is beautiful, I guess. And you you just have these isolated things where you can create a little store here or fetch a session and it's like you need to support this use case where like someone's just going to import this thing that you wrote and they just need they can do whatever they want to and it should just kind of work like in you know yeah, like the way swr does this is like they have a cache so you know if you have three components and they're all trying to query the current user you know it's going to like deduplicate the request it's going to use the cache if there's already been uh one of those made it doesn't care which order you do it so i just feel like that's more in line with the paradigm you know yeah absolutely also too like you don't like you don't stop the render in react right right where, right. where with ember and rails like you have like with ember you can literally stop right. the render like right. you can just say you're not rendering until i tell you right but, right uh, so right. i think yep. that philosophy yep. matches that, yeah yeah and so not breaking that and and is is yeah so it was a a good lesson no but that that is actually that's a good point to bring it back to that which is just like yeah there is no notion of yeah you can't stop the i mean there's there it's like that's like an api that you could consider you would think of adding but it's like they've resisted that forever and they will always because it's just they want one way to do it and it's just like yeah you always have to give me a state of the app so i can render a frame that's it you always have pixels that's it yeah 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 exactly um cool and so, like yeah so it's and, and like 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 ember always has pixels in a sense if you navigate to a, a page you, you ember has conventions that says we're navigating so we're going to render like a loading screen but it's how you decide what to render is different in that case than when you're just rendering a component and that that is the big difference with react which is react is like no you, we we render by re-rendering the entire tree that's mm-hmm. it. That's the only way to get rendering. There's no, there's no special cases for delaying things or getting what the pixels should be from somewhere else. It's always just the tree. The, what's the active tree? And run that function, and you return a result synchronously. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's just kind of interesting. So yeah, I thought that was a little interesting thing. But uh, no, I'm. It's happy to report. Like it's it's going well, and. Nice. Um, 
it's super it's so i really do love mirage's dx and just being able to change things and it runs super fast and tests you know both mocking out firebase and and this uh hasura um and yeah it's just it's hard to beat man it really is i know you've been working on getting hasura like uh running locally so you can write tests that actually hit like a running hasura instance um but uh it's pretty awesome you know to have it all in the browser yeah it's Dude, pretty awesome for i mean for sure like there's that i mean there's trade-offs right trade-offs yep. so um yep. yeah i think yeah. if they I, th- I think if especially when using something like hasura if they provided you with equivalent of a mirage hasura there would basically be no trade-offs because you'd be it'd be their yeah. responsibility you'd know if you made changes to your app and added an events table that you would get it in your mocks they wouldn't fall yeah. out of sync the seam graphql goes a lot yeah the yeah. seam doesn't move where today the yeah. seam moves so it's yeah graphql really makes the story a lot better too because just being able to use the schema takes away a lot of the boilerplate and a lot of the risk in terms of not fulfilling the contract so uh it's it's i think it's like i'm inching there but it's uh the type the type there's a there's a vision saying, here that's pretty cool the type errors eliminate a lot of the errors that you would generally run into if you were just mocking out an api totally if you add a new field to a table and you run your test suite it's going to say you didn't give us the data for this field your mirage server will say that because your mirage server is just delegating to graphql request and the schema which is coming from your production instance so your mocks are already telling you if it's out of sync in a lot of cases, you know, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Also too, like I think, um, for like the crud layers of Asura, you get super, super far with that. It's, it's, yes, uh, that really is the, yeah. What drove me to actually want to run Asura was the aggregates and just not trusting myself to, right to mock those out also too there's just like some other stuff with like um nested relationships so you have to you know i'm 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 kind of hard coding those right now but i i'm i have a sneaky plan to (laughs) to generalize it the um there's a lot your auth stuff in hasura is not as simple as you think it is and it's code that you you own um right and so to be able to actually test your auth stuff is something that like the schema would can't can't tell you and so i totally think that's, that's like a, a good thing that's another area no that is another area that's hard to reproduce but it also goes back to this thing discussion we had which is like if you're using um email service it depends on how complex your auth rules are mm-hmm. but if you're using an email service and that's like a web ui and you go and say you know yeah, you set, oh yeah, send a reminder email every seven days if they need to update their credit card. Do you write tests for that? Is that code you own? Like sometimes those lines are blurry. And the, yeah. if your auth rules are really high level and declarative in Hasura, um, yeah, there's, there's sometimes you, I think what you test should be driven by your level of confidence and your need for testing. So, you know, I don't run tests that like Heroku's running my app server. It's kind of like their right. thing. Right, you and don't so, write tests for validations and Rails. Exactly, you don't need. You don't yeah. test the framework or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think I think with the auth stuff, like you, you end up owning it, which is just n- yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I my fitness app has like progress pictures, so you upgrade up, upload like half naked pictures of yourself, and only the oh, your own user can see <laughs> your own pictures, and that'd be pretty important. That's like front page you know are we going to end up on the front page of wall street journal or whatever <laughs> if we have a, a, a problem here so you'd want a test for that for sure also to your auth you have a hasura server that's doing auth somewhere and that's code you've written you've probably forgotten about this but that's code yeah, you've, yeah, written, yeah. you've written so it's i think that's one of the things that's like it doesn't get tested and yeah. there's there's a bunch of code in there so um, but if there's not, a, I know I totally agree. I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocate. If there's not a lot of code, if it's basically always like, um, whatever we do, like user header X Hasura ID equals the current user ID, you know, mm-hmm. um, then like that's, that would be the argument here is that it's not that it's not a lot of code. It's a, you test in production because every single endpoint your production site uses hits this code 
So you would see a bug. You would just see a bug right away. It's like the production mm-hmm. tests are like enough mm-hmm. for it. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. it's an endpoint that like every single GraphQL request has to go through. So if right, it was right, buggy, right, right. you would like you would know about it the moment it happened. Right. Um, and so like, assuming people are using your app. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you would know about <laughs> yes. it when you tried to use yes. the app. So. Yeah. Um, it's tough, man. It's tough. I totally agree. Like Mirage Asura would be the thing that just like just it doesn't even bend the trade off curve. It snaps yeah. the trade off curve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's just that seam doesn't move. And so I know mm-hmm. that like whatever API request I send into Mirage, I'm getting the right thing back. I'm yeah, I'm getting the right mm-hmm. thing back. No, I mean I really want this. I, I feel like sometimes the best way to like change the world in the favor you want it to is like build a thing that solves your problem. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome to like try to do a like hacky version of this generalized thing and show the workflow yep. and like post it on YouTube and Twitter and like try to get Hasera people attention. Maybe they'll see it's a good idea. I mean, it goes back to like service providers giving users, their developers ways to easily, you know, use and test their services locally. And like, that's, you even said this like either last time or the time before you're like, that would be a changer for me in terms Absolutely. of adopting a service, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm, um, I would hope that they, they would love that. Also, too, yeah. like I think the generalizing, like this is where we always get into trouble, right? But I think the generalizing, like you can squint at the schema file and you can be like, totally. I know what I need to generalize here. Oh, totally, totally. No, yeah, I'm, so. I'm going to get there. It's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to like parse the schema, substring, and like you know, get yeah. the names of the thing. Yeah, it'll be there. It'll be there. It's so fun um, from, from from the stuff that I've been working on, which I haven't I haven't touched it in about like two weeks now. But um, once you have the Hasura instance running, which your tests set up and tear down, you mm-hmm. know, automatically, it's awesome. Really, I, I want to see. I want to see it. Getting to that setup point is yeah. just, <laughs> it is so brutal. It we'll have so to pair on that. I want to see what it's like to create like a graph of data, you know, before you and then visit a thing or whatever. Um, yep, totally. Yeah. Cool. Related, uh, yeah, I set up this Cypress command with server. So normally if you've used Mirage before, it's like synchronous. So you can just kind of like create a server and start creating data and then visit your stuff. I wanted to make a side.with server things because I wanted to be able to make commands like create user and login name Sam or whatever. And so my Mirage stuff, I wanted to be able to communicate with my mock auth stuff. So I have that. But that means now my tests, I have to do like, I can't do server.create or anything because it's being created behind the scenes, I guess. I really wish Cypress had some way of exposing like a context object or a this dot. Remember in Ember testing, you would just use this dot. Like if you wanted to do like this dot first name or whatever, or this dot user. And then like from a test, you could just do this dot user. Now in Cypress, you can do that with like free variables. So you can just say like let user here and like user equals and you'll get it. Um, but to get access to the server, if the server is being created out here, there's no way to get it. So you do like the side out with server, you pass in a function which yields the server, and then it kind of works. Um, why? But it makes wh- like the pattern, like the let pattern that you would use in Rails with factories, like not really possible. I mean, it's possible, but it's like it's ugly. Yeah, it's not as why? ergonomic, and it's not as ergonomic as like vanilla Mirage. Why did you move to, I guess I don't have the context, why did you move from server versus booting the server in the test? Because I wanted to be able to, first of all, I just wanted to boot the server in every test. That's fine. We were doing it before every test. Like I wanted it just to do it and not have to call create server within the test. Uh, 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 That's so like, like secondary. Cut out, the, cut out the before each and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's effectively before each for the whole suite uh, before each one. Ah, and but you're saying was, if you moved it into a global before each, now you have no way to access it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I see. And you wanted to share exactly. context. Exactly. Follow now. Exactly. Or be able to do things like, you know, this dot current user or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or just yield maybe like you would yield it out from like describe or it or or something like that. Um, but it's it's also it's also like if you want to make something like a if you want to create a user and log them in, you have to Think about it. If you're using Firebase and Hasura, you need to create the user in Firebase. So like mock auth.users push an ID. Then you need to create it and you need to set the current user ID uh, on the mock auth. 
because like mock auth can have multiple users in it and then there's one that's signed in so you have like mm-hmm. a current user id and then you need to get that same user into mirage so that when you're querying hasura it's there just like in production so you want to wrap all that boilerplate into a command so now if you want it in a command how do you get and you, but you're making the server locally like i guess you could pass a server in. you just want those things implicitly you want to pre-wire those things together so mm-hmm. from the perspective of the test writer you're not thinking about oh auth service or mirage or whatever um and, and, and it works it and that's all hidden within with server yeah Got, yeah gotcha gotcha because so all the commands are in a file can. yeah exactly exactly gotcha gotcha okay yep yep so it works really well. It's just you lose a few things, and it would just be it would just be nice. It would be nice if you either had context or freaking Cypress let you use async await because then you could do await psi dot create user and log in, let user equals that, and then you have the user synchronously to write the next step. Right, but you and can't you don't, do that. You don't, well, you can. It's like you then waterfall, and it's just it's yeah exactly it, that and by the way i know you feel this way but that's like a non-starter for me non-starter okay. yeah the side dot with server is basically one dot then but then i would just do like let user side out with server and then set it like that and that works because within the callback you're in synchronous mirage land and so it's working fine you know did your did your with server it still runs like the server the mirage server in the cypress window not the app window or yeah 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 yep oh oh, okay okay so this is like just just this is like a um, just hiding it api like huge api improvement exactly cool yeah cool i guess this does give you like it is interesting too like before we would do like let server and then before Mm -hmm. each server equals make server and then it it, should work yeah and then server.create so that's like all of Mirage is kind of exposed to every test. Where with yep. your thing, you have like you actually have like just one entry point into Mirage, and that's gonna yep. let you. If you ever wanted to add like other stuff, you could just add it there, and you don't have to go update every test. You know, totally, absolutely, no, it's great. It's just I wish you could just say like yeah. sci.mirage.create or sci.server.create or whatever, but you can't. You have to pass in a callback because of the way cypress works it queues all these things up it doesn't run any of them and they don't they hate async await because they hate children i guess i don't know (laughs) so bad so bad i just don't think there's any justification for it but maybe i'm not i've read the page i know that there's a page i've read it but um i think it's not too bad though yeah um Aside from th- that, the setup is really nice, and it's just awesome to be. It's just awesome. The Cypress stuff definitely. Ember used to have that type of API, where there'd yes. be one promise, global and, promise chain. Yeah, every would, it, every visit and click appends, and then and, you, like, then you run the promise. That like basically yep. the, the you your test is like setup code, and yep. then you you run yep. the promise, and then Ember switched to using async await, and and it was so I, much better so much better and not only that like just like the confusion of like if you do like a visit and then a console log like why does the console log show up before the visit and like exactly if you're like your you know team's ember lead you can explain it but it just like was one of those conversations that we were always having and it it just went away with async await it really did it it it, man it 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 made so there's so many times it made things so much better and like async await has pitfalls like i think one of the biggest pitfalls is like the biggest valid criticisms of it is like it 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 makes asynchronous code look sync which is why it's easier to read in the happy path case but it's actually hiding the complex the actual complexity of the fact that it's async ui like javascript is async anyways and so whereas in rails when you make a database call there's nothing happening in between those steps. That's a concern of the programmer. But in UI, between those steps, the JavaScript is still responsive. There's still an event loop listening for things. Your state of your program could change. So that's a valid criticism against async await because now it's like, how do I handle the in-between case here? And it's like, you're not really thinking about that. Dude, the great point because it's one of the bugs I had to fix this week was, was oh, yeah. let, set state, run an async command, and then set some other state. And it turns out that async command started changing what was rendering. 
And mm. so cannot set state on unmounted components. So now all this is mounted stuff. And it's nice. just like, it's exact. I mean, yeah, just everything yeah. you just said, just nodding yeah. right along. Yeah. Async await is like optimized for like a happy path case, or it's really good in like node. If you're doing again, like a file system or database, like things in a script for UI, I can understand there's valid complaints against. I still prefer to promise Like I still prefer, I'm so happy it exists. And I use it all the time, but that is like the valid uh, vector of criticism. However, in freaking tests, you're more in a situation that's similar to writing file systems or database mm. queries because you're like, visit this, do this. You don't, from the perspective of the programmer, you actually don't care what's happening in between my visit and my click. Like you don't have to account for that as a test author. See what I'm saying? You, yeah, you, that's a, that's yeah. A excellent insight. So all the more reason to use async and await and, and not do some there's no reason to have a queue abstraction. You're literally wanting to wait one step to the next. And like you said, if you want to console log something, you want it to be in between the, you want to visit the thing, console log, and then click. And you want to, conceptually, the only time you'll ever want to console log right there is after the visit happens and before the click happens. Just like if you were console logging in between two lines of Ruby after a database query and before you send an email, that's what you're writing. There's no other possibility there. So, yeah, end rant. I, I just, that, 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 that part is still annoying. Um, and I just it, don't, yeah, it would just make things simpler. It's really good because you do care about the in-between in the UI world because there's, yeah. there's literally pixels that need to remain interactive yeah. right? while the user is yeah. clicking around. But in the test case, you, you actually don't care about the in-between. You because don't. none of your yeah. test code is running in-between. You know? Yeah. Maybe there's some code, yeah. Okay, I was going to say maybe there's some the code. The app can be responsive, but the the test is not. The test is not. The test it's is a series, series of steps. Of steps. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. So maybe they'll have a come to Jesus moment at some point, just like Ember did. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll all have a major, like a massive major version increase in Cypress where we change all of our code. Because that was pretty painful, right? The API upgrade in Ember. Or, I mean, it was just a big change. Yeah. I remember, I think that was like very... That was one of my first times using async await in JavaScript. Yeah. And that was very early days. It had I think just they come were, out. Yeah. They were championing, championing a lot of that. Um, and so I remember it like, why do we need this? I can totally explain the, why the global promise chain works. And right. you use it for two weeks and you're like, <laughs> if I could go back <laughs> in time, I'd slap myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. Um, but yeah, just to end that, like, yeah, really happy with the setup right now. That app is like really fun to work on right now. So it's pretty awesome. Um, Dude, it's, it's so crazy how once you get like good testing, how much happier I know, I development know. is. Oh my gosh, it's insane. I was just thinking about that. And now it's like, I can experiment with all these different things and I can just oh, run my test suite. I mean, I keep making little refactorings. I'm like, I made a little change my like ad. I had this add goal, like if you add like CrossFit three times a week or whatever, it would just open in line and it was like this ugly little thing. I was like, I want to make it a modal, you know, and have it slide up in the bottom when you click done. And I'll talk about this in a second. Like what happens? I changed all this stuff, just being able to rerun the test and it's so fast and it's just awesome. It's like, yeah, yeah. It goes back to what I was saying that other episode where it's like from now on, like I'm going to be way better about this when it comes to side projects because like it's just it makes it way more fun to work on an app like that way way more let's upgrade all these dependencies yeah let's try out next whatever let's try this new version of react let's try out all this stuff and like you feel confident in your test suite it's just like it's crazy how different it is you know yeah i agree i did i totally agree i, I just i know you I like remember, the hack like the painting yeah like i remember like what was that like it was like nine months ago we were we were setting up these Hasura apps with next and it was just like we just got to code Right, I know. So I think if we were like arguing about Zustance stores and modules, no, no, scope, no, for that sure, it's like killed it. It's more like now that I have like the pieces in a place that I'm happy with. If I was going to start my like weight, my lifting tracking app, which I have in the back of my mind, like I would just do all this stuff and I would start from testing from the beginning because it would yeah. actually be the fastest way to do it. Like, show me the home screen when there's tracking one lift or whatever, and I just know I'm going to want to do that. I don't even want to use Hasura. Like, honestly, it's like you almost want like local first development. You want to get the thing from Hasura. You want to configure the schema. You're doing it all locally. So as soon as you are in this painting phase, which is just as frictionless as if you were to hook up production Firebase or Hasura, 
but you just happen to be doing it locally. Now you already have right there. Your test is right there. Whatever scenario you set up, you just paste it into a test. Boom. And then you deploy it and it works because the contract. I mean, that's like, I really think that is possible. It just requires some work. All that stuff could, could, could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think a service, that's really cool. Like a service with like local first development mentality is kind of a neat idea. I mean, that definitely goes into like the, it's a selling point because it's testable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I will say just like, I also think nine months ago, like we weren't happy with our stack. Right. Um, and so I think now that we are. Right. With Next and, and, and GraphQL and Hasura. Right. Um, it makes it easier for us to say, okay, we know those things and we're going to invest more in, in the test setup. Yep. Where yep. Yep. Before absolutely. I, yeah. Last year it was like trying out Gatsby, trying out. Trying out uh, testing library, you know, yeah. uh, and Jest, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And those things I, I wanted to like get to them as quickly as possible. Right. Am- amplify, build a whole Amplify app. Right. Like I didn't want right. to spend months doing, doing Rest in peace. <laughs> hey, I still. Now you liked there's, it. You, yeah. There's one Amplify app that I still use and its use case is awesome with Amplify. Um, there's another one that was just like, it was a more of a crud app and it was just, yeah, yeah RIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the app? Didn't you make one with, um, what's like the log-based storage thing? Oh, Logux. Logux, <laughs> yeah. But that never, that never got deployed. That never got. Oh, yeah, it was like a PR. It was like a branch. Well, I don't even think, I think that was just uh local that's somewhere on my computer gotcha um yeah yeah that stuff is fun nice <laughs> the funny. amplify stuff at least made it made it to production yeah 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 got RIP'd. <laughs> okay cool and then the last thing here again just more kind of like vanilla react vanilla next like building an app thing so if, well first i guess is yeah this modal pattern so I'm trying to make my fitness app feel kind of like an iPhone app, I guess, just so it feels kind of natural. I'm really only designing it and building it for working on mobile screens right now because that's the only place like me and my friends use it. And, um, you know, it made me look at some patterns on the iPhone. Most of the uh, iPhone, the native apps, if you like go to contacts and you click like add contact, it's going to bring up a modal and you're going to fill it out and there's going to be like a done button in the top right. looks like a link. It's kind of styled just like blue text, but it's a button. And you click on it and it just goes away. Um, you don't click on done and then it like gives you a spinner, you know, and it doesn't like dim the whole thing or whatever. Uh, it just happens immediately. And um, a lot of the APIs obviously on the native apps on the iPhone are like writing to local storage so uh not like the web local storage but like the device's storage and so they don't need to have a loading state there uh because it's like a synchronous operation but a lot of the iphone apps copy this pattern so like in, in instagram it's the same thing let's say you post something or twitter twitter mm. you, po- you 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 do a new tweet the modal comes up you fill it out and you hit tweet it doesn't sit there and show you the tweet and spinner while it's waiting uh the modal goes away immediately and then you see you're back in the home screen where the whole app is responsive and it's starting to write the new tweet and there's a blue line that's coming up showing the progress. Mm-hmm. So one, that's just interesting because it's not usually what you see in like a lot of web UIs where, mm-hmm. yeah, you click a button and you're waiting to make sure it works and then you then you finish and move on. Yeah, you know, okay, this might be like too early to make this comment, but like I feel like in a lot of the web UIs, uh, projects tend to have like buttons with like is loading like mm-hmm. an is loading attribute and mm-hmm. like you pass true into that and it shows like a little spinner next to the button or whatever um i feel like that stuff encourages you to put the form into a loading state right or with um maybe if we didn't have that stuff and that that was right, harder right. to do uh it feels like it, it feels like to like it almost feels like, well, if you design these components before you design the UI, you end right. up with APIs like that, the UI. That, that. Yeah, exactly. That then influence yeah. the UI. So it's interesting. Because I think yeah. you need like my default of like how like how the system should work wouldn't be what you just described. Right. But from a product point of view, what you just described is way better. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, just 
pretty interesting and then so and then you think about like um pulling things out of react so let's say you wanted to build that modal and twitter and you hit done and so now like what would you do like your new tweet form has like a on submit prop and then the parent says new tweet form on submit equals like handle like create new tweet right or tweet or whatever and so now you have this function that's in the parent that is saying like set loading to true create await create tree a tweet and like the blue bar is going what if the user taps away actually sending the post request to create a tweet is also not tied to any pixels on the screen so if you think about it what you really want to do is submit the form and you create the tweet maybe like you call an action somewhere or you call your zustan store create tweet because that thing is just running regardless of what component is rendered mm-hmm. and then you have like a did submit callback prop that the parent can say okay now hide the modal render the ui but like the loading ui but it also can just go away if you went to settings your tweet would still be going off into the server and then if you happen to re-render the home page again it would now show the new tweet just because of the fact that it's loading it so yeah. it's kind of interesting it's it's again it's like it's a kind of a cool pattern where you're pulling apart the parts of the submit handler that have to do with the pixels on the particular uh, tree that's rendered versus the logic that has nothing to do with React, basically. It's like creating the database stuff. Yeah. I just just to push push back this, like I push back against this, like just two things. Like one is um, it does introduce more states in your app and that might be harder to deal with. Like if, if a user can send a tweet and then start doing other stuff in the application. Um, it might be a better experience and it might be like a requirement, but it does create more states in your app. Does it though? Or do those states just exist? I mean, what if you hit, what if you hit that back button, you know, when you submit the thing, you know, yeah. what if you did click something that dismissed the modal form? I mean, you could disable the entire app, but in general, I bet a lot of the forms that you have that you put into loading oh, state they don't, don't they lock don't. the app. No, they don't. I mean, they don't, but just, just the fact that like when, the loading spinner comes up on the button and the form grays, you know, the, let's just say the UI locks up, right? The yeah. UI grays up. It's um, easier in some case. You're just it's like, yeah. It tells the user like, okay, you're going to be wait. It's like very series of steps. Like you're not going to yeah. be sending another tweet while this one is still in flight. You're not right. Like, right, the, right everything right, right. is. And so I do think that is, yeah. that is easier. And the other thing I'll say, and this is like, this is like a straw man. Um, but I have seen apps where, these API calls, this way of thinking. I'll go through an indirection exists. layer. Yes. And they just, they all get pushed out to the outside so that anything right. can call them. And there's so much indirection where right. um, it's, there's like, it, again, if it's coming from like a product point of view, like I need yeah, to be able to send you have this to do and it. use the app, like we can come up with ways. But where someone says, oh, I heard on a podcast that you should yeah. push all your stuff to the boundary and, and you do yeah. that. Then does. you have this other directory. Well, yeah, for the record, I undid it. I mean, I didn't actually build it, but I ended up, again, with just one submit handler because I really do like keeping things. I would rather organize, as my component gets like 100, 200 lines and there's like three handlers and there's all this stuff, instead of like pulling that apart and making like these abstraction layers, I'd rather just have smaller components that do like one thing and just have a function in render and create it and await late waiting. You know, await is load set is loading, await set is loading false. I like that. It's super easy to understand. So that's kind of what I was doing. I went back to that. And I actually, what I did, which I was using Slack, and I realized when you like you send a message or you upload an image, they actually do a similar thing where they bring the modal up. Um, but when you hit the button, it actually does go into a spinner on the modal. And then the modal comes down. Because what was happening was I was creating a new goal modal comes up and if you hit done and it goes away immediately, then you actually have to consider what the home screen UI should be. Because even if the home screen UI does like a refetch, which in my case I do, right. I just like send the tweet or send the goal creation mm-hmm. to GraphQL, hide the modal. And then the home page is like, Oh, did create goal on, did create like on, you know, did save or whatever did create 
um, refetch the home page query so it shows a new goal. But then you see the two states, the flash. So then it's like, it kind of goes to what you're saying, which is like, you'd have to thoughtfully consider what it should look like while it's uh, being refetched. In Twitter's case, you have like a blue bar. I didn't want to build all that. I just really wanted to keep the modal up for a second. And then just once the background is reloaded, show it. So all I did was, that's what I did. You hit done and it turns into a little spinner. Because again, there's no real like precedent for this in native iOS apps, I think. Like you never press done and it turns into a spinner. Um, but the uh, Slack UI felt pretty close where you press it. And instead of like showing a whole spinner over a thing or dimming, you just, just the done button is replaced with a spinner. And then it's pretty nice actually. And then it just goes down. And then like the, the homepage has your new goal, which is what you'd expect. I just hit done. Yeah, I saw it created. It should be in the homepage by the time I see the homepage again. Um, yeah. So I was pretty cool. happy with that. Yeah. It'd be cool to see like what the good optimistic UI strategies are yeah. for like what, what you originally wanted to build. Right. Well, I did build my photos part like that. So when you upload a photos for angles for a day, you do the front side and back angles. You click upload, it shows a modal. You choose the three photos on your phone. It's using your next S3 upload thing, which by the way is just awesome. If people are looking for a solution there, it's really good. And then you hit done and uh, the modal goes away because otherwise you just sit there looking at that forever. And it uses a Zustan store in the scope of that page. And so that's all happening, which is pretty cool. And then I just do a, I do a fake loading bar just like Twitter and Instagram do. And then because it's just, because I don't have to think about anything else. I just, it's done when it's done. And um, the query automatically updates. And so it just re- renders the new day with the new images. So that part, I do that and it's pretty cool. But it's it's tied to that UI and it's not like, yeah. And this kind of leads into my next question, which is like, I still haven't gone down this path of like, use goals, use weekly goals, use categories, um, use photos. And I know there's some people who do that. I think like I heard Tanner Lindsley talk about this, but so I ran into this thing where as I was working on this and changing the UI, first I had the goal form was like a dumb goal form. It didn't have any actions in it and it just had non-submit. And then on submit, the parent had handled the actual goal creation. So the parent had the GraphQL mutation, which is like five lines, but it's just down there. It has to use mutation, pass that in. Then it has to have an async function that's like actually calling create goal, right? And it's Mm -hmm. setting loading to true and then false. Then I like refactored and went back, made the goal component smart, the goal form smart, and it knows how to create a goal. And so I had to copy like these different parts of code and i did that like a couple times and i was like i kind of would like to be able to make these changes to the ui faster like and this is not changing at all so like should i have like a use goals here where i can just call that very easily um and like what would that look like so have you ever done that before yeah and when you're telling this i have a great answer to this is you know I, i use apollo and uh Apollo, you have to manage a cache. You just, you have to. Like, you, mm-hmm. you want to stay on the Apollo happy path, you're you're managing the cache. And um, a lot of times you have queries you want to invalidate, you know, after an update, you've changed some, like, deeply nested query. Right. So that like, was part of it, too, because once I moved my, my creation into the form, I was like, oh, I'd really like this to just take care of everything, but I need to call refetch. Yeah, so you start like reaching into like yeah. other completely unrelated parts of your application that just hap- happen to be using the same resource. Like it happens yeah. to be using a goal or a yeah. goal count or something. Yeah, I guess this and is where like Urkel would have solved that too. You, well, well, with the with the Apollo stuff, like at this point, it feels so uncomfortable for me to reach into other parts of the app. Right. This is a driver for me to say, okay, if you need anything goal related, you're going to go through use goal. And so mm-hmm. you don't actually, you're not actually writing the GraphQL queries yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are because you're the developer and the consumer yeah, yeah. of it. But, right, but right, right, right. Um, from the components point of view, you're just using goal and you get like a few functions to update a goal, create a goal, list all goals. Right. And um, from the hooks I point know. of view, you've, you've now like constrained what access people have. And so when you yeah. want to change something, you can be sure that like you can invalidate a query right any goals in your app are going to get that that always feels like but by, by the way i'm not like 
I'm only like, I don't know, a year into this. And yeah. I still feel like I start exactly how you started out with yeah. passing queries back and forth, making components smart or dumb. And then at the point where I'm like, feel really awkward to like reach into some other page just to invalidate something on it or like weirdly like just like start exporting queries of like out of random right. pages it makes no sense at right. that point i refactor to the right use to cool. the use thing and it seems fine but i don't i it probably only happens like i don't know 20 percent of the time 25 yeah yeah so the rest of it you can keep it like that yeah yeah i was kind of hoping for like one answer for all this but it's nice to have no friction like that when you're starting out and when you're working on a small component um i i think if you knew like if you knew it's kind of weird to see use goal but not like a use weekly like not use yeah, category yes. or whatever yeah. i think if you knew like uh, this i'm writing like use blog post and it's going to be used yep. on like 20 different pages in the app like yep. it's gonna be used on the home page it's gonna be used on like the account settings page i think you can like you can almost like start out by like tddding like the hook mm. like the use blog post hook and like start making it work for like one use case but like you're doing it in like a tdd way mm. but like when i start writing especially like with hasura and stuff and graphql like i'm not making it for like 20 different pages i'm making it for one page right um i just, right, my apps right, just right. don't have that many pages so right um, right interesting um yeah i don't i have gotten away from like the exporting the query thing I'd rather have it be explicit. So like if the goal form is smart and creates a goal, I'm going to have like a did, did save, did create, um, on create prop that the parent can say, okay, now I'm going to refetch because refetch is already in scope. They're the ones who are running the query. That feels better to me, Yep. but it's still the same thing. And it's like it, you would like it to just do it automatically. I guess Urkel would do it automatically in this case because it knows that the homepage query is, fetching a list of all goals and now one of them's changed so it, it would just work so that's pretty cool i remember having like some real magic moments when i was using urkel on that one on my recipes project um so maybe that's one answer another one is like i, I, I just i just i i know like i know you would hit a thing in your app where you're like i don't want that to refetch or like it's mm -hmm. just like i don't want i want to have control mm -hmm. over that refetch. right over the state change yeah. or whatever yeah mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. would lose mm -hmm. that so um mm -hmm. yeah interesting but the other thought is just like the constraining of the interface that you're doing by saying you have to go through use goals is like i want i'm just so resistant to that because part the whole graphql was designed to write it <laughs> alongside the component and in this particular app my home page is like this crazy nested thing so um you know uh yeah. it's actually precisely wrong for a constraint thing you want to be able to say i want my weekly goals and then also my categories and also like the users and so i like that flexibility so it's exactly how you started off with your uh module import thing where like you don't want ceremony yes. about initializing yeah. apps like you don't want ceremony around like this is how you get access to a resource and like yeah up oh, too bad i don't support that so you have to come right. back and add it and exactly exactly yeah, you, yeah. um so um I've, i guess I've been, what, what, I've been happy with what i've been doing which is just when it needs to be organized at that point i organize it um mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. having one way basically starting off with yep queries yep. and graphql yep. yep i'm trying to think if i could snap my fingers here you have the modal up you click done and yeah i think it's really it might just be the urkel thing you might just you want you're creating a goal and every query that's reading from goals is reading there's a single it's like getting an event it's like getting a log message like goals have changed and mm -hmm. so here's how you, how do you handle it you know mm -hmm. um that's almost what you want like because then the goals could change for other reasons too and then you can say do you want to like slide them in or just fade them in or just append them and now you've already handled the case where the user on the device creates a goal or you create a goal some other way um so that would be interesting um like query did change or something like that on query yeah. change like you have your home page you have a query and then you have like an on query change where you get to say what happens to the ui 
Yeah. And in the but, default case, it just it just up it just calls set state, which is like what happens when you refetch and like what Urkel does. But you could also do things that you, you wanted to. Yeah. I worry. But you that, do it. The, you do it at the point of the query, as opposed to connecting it to like a form submission from another yes. part of the UI, because that's where that's where you get bummed out in terms of moving these pieces around. Um, yeah. I worry with this stuff that sometimes we find not us, but just like us, everyone in general, you, you end up describing the transition mm -hmm. and not, and then mm -hmm. like you just get into so much trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like the mm -hmm. Apollo stuff. Interesting. It, it's, I haven't it's, used Apollo yet. It's like, there's too many tabs on their navigation on their page that I haven't used it yet. That's like, <laughs> you know, dude, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think it's the best GraphQL client, but it's, you, you have you, you you're taking on a cat you're writing a cache manager and there's just no way around it and yeah you're just lying to yourself if if you think you cannot do you that. aren't right yeah. right no we, we've worked with a lot of people we work with there's been multiple people we work with or talk with that have said like yeah people don't take the time to understand the cache and it makes it it's like worse you know for yeah. for that yeah um, i should try it though i know that's popular yeah, you'd like it. Cool. You'd like it because then you can you can definitely hear like I have all the excuses I need to create a use goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, still playing with suspense mode enabled on SWR, even though it's an alpha and React is alpha. That'd be nice when that lands. I have no idea when that's going to be, but it's working so far. I thought I had some bugs. Uh, yeah, I thought. Oh no, I ran into a bug in headless UI's modal in react alpha with strict mode on i had to turn off strict mode but Oof. if it does a double render in alpha the modal says that there's a focus problem um there's no focusable elements and it was just driving me batty i couldn't figure it out and i was like wait i'm on like an experimental version of react <laughs> and i like put it back to 17 or 18 i mean and uh yeah that was it so i'm like really treading on water here like uh, thin ice here yeah man uh but yeah, I'm here for I'm, it. For I'm some still, reason, I have the energy for it. <laughs> I'm still on 17. I'm afraid, man. I'm yeah, afraid. the suspense stuff is really, really cool, though. It really is awesome. Nice. So, cool. All right, shall we wrap it? Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, cool. Thanks for joining us. And, um, yeah, let us know if you have any questions or anything you want to talk about. Front and First FM on Twitter. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.